0: the first kings please first kings chapter 11 you want to look at uh, the vine on the fig tree the vine on the fig tree first kings chapter 11. And we will have to just jump across quite a bit of this, but I'll I'll uh, I'll just open it a little as we go through it. First Kings chapter eleven, verse one. But Solomon, but King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh. Women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Now. These strange women means they were outside the nation or the people of Israel. And the Moabite and the Ammonite, they are actually daughters or the descendants of the daughters of Lot. If you remember, Lot was in Sodom and then um, his daughters came out with him and back with the angels. And if you remember, uh, Lot then lay with both his daughters. He was drunk, lay with both his daughters and they had children to him. So this was a, uh, from incest. So, and this actually is strange because when you go to the Moabite, there's another teaching, and it's throughout all, all of Mary, a lot of church uh, teaching that when we come to, to Ruth and Naomi and that story of Boaz, you find it says that Ruth was a Moabite. And people think then that that means she was off this line of ancestral relationship. But she wasn't a Moabite, a Moabiteess, as you'd say. She lived in Moab, but she was an Israelite living in Moab because that's in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. So she had to be an Israelite. So she wasn't a Moabite uh, as to her, uh, uh, to her people, to her descent. She was an Israelite who had taken over a part of the land of Moab. If you look at the map, it's on the, on the east side of Jordan where it comes down in the sea there. And so she was an actual Israelite living in Moab, although the scripture says she was a Moabite. The idea is she was an Israelite living in Moab. I'll teach about that sometimes. There's a lot more to it than that, than just throwing it out there. So notice this, Moabites, Ammonites, Solomon started to love them. Edomites, Edomites, Seir, S-E-I-R, when you read of those, Idumea, when you read of them, they're all of the same sort of peoples from Esau, Edom, from Esau who, who gave his birthright for a pottage of lentils or lentil soup or whatever you want. So that's where the Edomites were from, the Zidonians. Zidonians you'll read a little later on in uh, the Kings of Israel after this where um, Ahab marries Jezebel. Everybody knows the name Jezebel. Uh, it's an infamous name in scripture. Well, she was a Zidonian. And they were uh, not only heathen, but they were actually um, worshipped from the, the the mystery cult religions of Babylon. So this is the ones who uh, Solomon is the king over a united Israel. And this is whom he's starting to run around with, if you want. This is the, the ones he starts to fall in love with. And the Hittites. Many think the Hittites were also uh, part of the what we would call today the Turquoid peoples, no for them, Turkey sort of peoples. And so they were the enemies also of Israel. First, he says, of the nations. Concerning which the Lord said to the children of Israel, you should not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Notice what it says, Solomon cleave unto these in love. His heart was for the ungodly rather than the godly. His heart was for that which wasn't of God. In fact, the Hittites. If you um, if you go back to the days of Noah, you'll find it. The the, the Hittites was uh, from comes from Heth, uh, Heh who is the second son of Canaan. And Canaan, remember, Canaan was cursed because of Noah uh, in those days. So you can see all these people. His heart clave onto everything that wasn't. What God wanted them for. And what God wanted for them. Verse 3 says he had 700 wives. My goodness gracious me. <laughs> 700 mother-in-laws. <laughs> One's enough, isn't it? <laughs> uh, 700 wives, princesses and 300 concubines. Solomon was some guy, wasn't he? And his wives turned away his heart. Turned away his head, I should have said, really. But his wives turned away his heart. (laughs) For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. And Solomon went after Ashtoreth. Now, when you start reading of Ashtoreth, Ashtoreth is another Babylonian goddess Ashtoreth uh, is the same goddess that you'll hear of Ashtarte. I'm going to maybe just throw a wee bomb in here. It's where we get the word Ishtar from. Ishtar, Easter. So it was the Babylonian goddess Ashtoreth. Notice this. After the goddess of the Zidonians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites, and Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and when not fully after the Lord, as did David his father, then did Solomon build in high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molach, the abomination of the children of Ammon. You'd heard me the other week saying about the, the, the children of Israel burned their children. They sacrificed their children to Molach. And what they did was they made a big brazen altar in the shape of a, a Molach god, and they actually burned alive their children in this, boiled them onto the as a a sacrifice unto God. They appeased this God, Molech. They actually put them in, and they stuffed this full of flammables, like uh, sticks and so on, and it cooked, really, their children alive. And that's what they did. They try to appease this false heathen deity. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods, Notice this, and the Lord was angry with Solomon. The Lord was angry with him. Because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. When you thought if God appeared to you twice, you would. It doesn't show you our nature, does it? It shows you how rotten we are. It shows you, like, God does things and we forget so easily, don't we? And God appeared unto him twice. Let's go on. <clears throat> Verse 10 and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Wherefore the Lord said unto Solomon, For as much as this is done of thee, and thou hast not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded thee, I will surely rend the kingdom from thee, and will give it to thy servant. Now notice this. God says, I will rend the kingdom from you, Solomon, and give it to thy servant. Notwithstanding, in thy days, I will not do it for David thy father's sake, but I will rend it out of the hand of thy son. So now he's saying, Solomon, going, because of you, I'm going to rend it out of the hand of your son, because I'm looking at what your fathers did. I'm doing it because you're his son. Howbeit, I will not rend it out of the kingdom, but I will not rend away all the kingdom, but will give one tribe to thy son, for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. And the Lord stirred up an adversary unto Solomon. Hadad the Edomite, he was the king's seed in Edom. Now, you're going to start hearing all these other enemies coming up and you think, well, you know, we, we sort of think, you know, all these things are happening. Is God in control? God's the one who's doing all of this. He's the one who's behind it all. For it came to pass when David was in Edom and Joab the captain of the host was gone up to bury the slain, After he had smitten every male in Edom, for six months did Joab remain there with all Israel until he had cut off every male in Edom. That Hadad fled, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants, with him to go into Egypt, Hadad being yet a little child. Doesn't it show you that whenever things aren't carried out to the full of what God says to do, that it will always come back again upon you to bite you? Notice here. And they rose out, out of Midian and came to Paran, and they took men with them out of Paran, and they came to Egypt, unto Pharaoh, king of Egypt, which gave him a house and appointed him victuals and gave him land. Now, without going and reading this whole chapter, now you're starting to see how on one side, God seems to be working against Israel, but really what he's doing, he's actually working a bigger plan out for his purpose. That's the thing in our lives. Sometimes we think, Lord, everything's going against me. But God is working all things out for the good. Everything. He's working it out for the good. But let your eye run down. Here's another one, just down to verse 23. And God stirred him up another adversary, Rezon, the son of Eliada, which fled from his lord Hadarezer, king of Zobah. And he gathered men unto him and became captain over a band when David slew them of Zoba, And they went to Damascus and dwelt therein and reigned in Damascus. And he was an adversary to Israel all the days of Solomon, beside the mischief that Hadad did. And he abhorred Israel and reigned over Syria. So here's the Syri- where we have Syria today is the Syria then. It's just north of Israel there. And what happens is that, the, that this man now is being raised up Rezin is coming up to be, if you want, the king in Syria. There's another one, Hadad being risen up, and he's coming up from Egypt now because he's been bolstered and strengthened in Egypt. And right from top to the bottom, it's as if everyone is encroaching around Israel. Notice it was in Solomon's day that he was an adversary. So Solomon didn't get off scot-free because of his sin. God raised it up, and he struggled, but the kingdom would be rent in the days of Solomon's son. And Solomon's son's called Rehoboam. We'll find it out in a, wee- in a little while. So let's go to verse 26. And Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the Ephrathite of Zareda, Solomon's servant, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow woman, even he lifted up his hand against the king. So here's now one within Israel. Here's your fifth column, if you want. He's starting to raise people up within and this was the cause that he lifted up his hand against the king, the king Solomon, built Milo, and repaired their breaches of the city of David his father. And the man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon, seeing the young man that he was industrious, made him ruler over all the charge of the house of Joseph. Now, we just don't read past this because it's very important to understand what's going on. So if you imagine the, the land then, and Solomon's the king in Jerusalem. The house of Joseph is the northern territories. This is before the splitting into kingdoms. It's coming up, but it's the northern territory. Joseph's sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, are blessed by Jacob uh, uh, at his deathbed. And he says, My name be on the lads, and the angel which redeemed me bless them. So they take on the name Israel. They're his grandchildren. And so what happens is they get land, and Joseph's name isn't mentioned in the, the very breakup of the tribes throughout the land. Joseph's name isn't mentioned, but Ephraim's is, and Manasseh's is because they take up the place where their father Joseph's name would have been. Okay, so when they say Joseph, he's talking about the land mass area of the north of Israel. So now I look at this. So Jeroboam, he's, he's doing well. Solomon's on the throne. He's a, a, a valiant man, and he's now taken over uh, the northern people. So they're starting to come around Jeroboam. He's starting to rule over them, uh, and he's under Solomon. Now let your eye run down again to verse 29. And it came to pass at the time when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, that the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite found him in the way, and he had clad himself with a new garment, and they two were alone in the field. And Ahijah caught the new garment that was on him, and rent it in twelve pieces. And he said to Jeroboam, Take thee ten pieces, for thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Behold, I will rend the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to thee. But he shall have one tribe for my servant David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, because they have forsaken me, and have worshipped Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the, the, god of the children of Ammon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes, to keep my statutes, and my judgments as did David his father. How be it? I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life, for David my servant's sake, whom I choose, because he kept my commandments and my statues. I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand, and will give it unto thee even ten tribes. And unto his son will I give one tribe, that David my servant may have a light always before me in Jerusalem the city which I have chosen to put my name there. Now, let me just give you a rundown what's happened. Jeroboam, this servant, he's out walking with his new coat on, a the prophet comes, takes his mantle or his coat off him, turns it into 12 pieces, and he says, here's 10 for you, Jeroboam. And these two pieces, one is for the house of David, or that's the tribe of Judah, and the other piece is I will give it one of the other tribes to stay with them. So there'll be two tribes. So there's two pieces and ten pieces, okay? So you have twelve pieces altogether. And these ten pieces, he says, represent ten tribes I'll give to you. So what he says is, I'm not going to take it out of Solomon's, but when his son comes in, this is on the throne. This is when I'm going to do this. Okay, so Solomon, we're told in verse 40, just for a time Solomon sought, therefore, to kill Jeroboam. Isn't it strange that how Solomon sees him as a servant and puts him in charge of all this and suddenly because he starts doing well, Solomon says, I've got to get rid of this young lad here. Isn't that, isn't that just an inherent nature of ours, isn't it? You have to watch over that. Because if God's in it, then let God be God in it. Notice this. It says in verse 43, And Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David his father. And Rehoboam, his son, Reigned in his stead. So so we don't get mixed up. Here's Rehoboam, Solomon's son. And there's Jeroboam, that is the servant. So there's the servant and the son. Chapter 12. And Rehoboam went to Shechem. For all Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it. For he was fled from the presence of King Solomon. And Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt. So Jeroboam flees to Egypt. Solomon's now dead. He thinks it's safe to come back home again. So for time's sake, verse 6, King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon, his father, while he yet lived and says, How do you advise that I may answer this people? And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, thou wilt serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. Now, Rehoboam's saying to the older people, the older men with experience, who sat with his his father, the man full of wisdom, he says, how do I go before these people? What should I do? And they're saying, look, speak good to them. Bless the people. Encourage them. So look what he does. And he just does everything the opposite. In verse 8. But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men, that they were growing up with him, which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give give ye that we may answer this people who have spoken to me, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but thou shalt make it lighter unto us. Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now, whereas my father did lead you with a heavy yoke, I will add to you your yoke. My father chastised you with whips, I will chastise you with scorpions. So the young men are all fired up. and They're saying, knock it out of them. Tell them what what's going to happen. That's the problem. See, you know, it's like, James, it's like James and John were the sons of Bolognese, and they're really ready to call fire down from heaven to consume the Samaritans. And you find that in a lot of people, maybe even some just saved and the Lord's touched them, they're getting all blessed up. And listen, we would never, ever want to extinguish that or put it out, but sometimes they want to run ahead and it's a matter of, you know, you just have to harness it a little because they will do themselves more damage than good. These young men were doing something similar. Verse 12, so Jeroboam and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day as the king had it appointed, saying, come on to me the third day. So the king just rehearses everything to Jeroboam. Verse 16. So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To your tents, O Israel, now, now see to thine own house, David. So Israel departed to their tents. But as for the children of Israel, which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Notice, Rehoboam now is realizing, I've only got the cities of Judah. And the rest of them all went up. The house of Joseph have all went up. All those tribes that represent there, they've all departed from them. It says in verse 19, so Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. Now notice, this is of the utmost importance. It's noticing the very separation and then there's two different destinies for the people here. Notice, Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. And it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, that they sent and called unto him to unto the congregation and made him king over all Israel. And there was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. Notice the term here now, all Israel. But yet, really it's not all Israel because Judah's missing there's a whole. Two tribes missing, actually. We'll find out about the other tribe in a moment. So they're saying all Israel, but they're not all Israel. But what they do now is, They become known as Israel, and Judah become known as Judah, and later Judah become known as the Jews. So here's something for you to remember. Some people talk about, you know, I've heard preachers talk about Abraham the Jew. Abraham wasn't a Jew. He was a Hebrew. There were no Jews in Abraham's day. He was a Hebrew. Isaac, his son, wasn't a Jew either. There were no Jews then. He was a Hebrew. There wasn't even any Israelites. He was a Hebrew. Jacob wasn't a Jew. He was the one who was member, wrestled with the angels of the Lord, and he became Israel. He had twelve sons. The twelve sons weren't called Jews, they were called Israel. One of them was called Judah, which is the southern tribes, the southern kingdom, and from there only comes the name Jew. If you look up Psalms Concordance, you'll find that out. The first time that you'll read of the word Jew in the Bible is in 1st Kings 1st Kings chapter 16 and verse I think it's verse 6 or 16. I can't remember the exact verse. And you know what the Jews are doing? They're fighting with who? With Israel. They're actually fighting with them. Tells you. And the King Rezin, member from Syria, we have read about. Israel have aligned themselves with the the, the the their next door neighbours in Syria and they've all got this army together and they're all coming down to Judah and fighting with the Jews. Read it when you go home. Um first Kings sixteen. I think it's first Kings sixteen over oh, top of my head Okay. Okay um let's see, where were we? Okay, first twenty four Rehoboam goes to get an army to go up and fight against them, bring them back into the fold. And the Lord speaks. Thus saith the Lord, ye shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel, Return every man to his house. For this thing is from me. They hearkened therefore to the word of the Lord and returned to depart according to the word of the Lord. And Jeroboam built in Shechem in Mount Ephraim and dwelt therein and went out from thence and built Penuel. And Jeroboam said in his heart, Now shall the kingdom return to the house of David. He's concerned about them all starting to go down and worship in the temple in Jerusalem. Verse 27, If this people go up to do sacrifice in the house of the Lord at Jerusalem, then shall the heart of this people turn again to their Lord, even to Jeroboam, the king of Judah, and they shall kill me and go again to Rehoboam, king of Judah, Whereupon the king took counsel, made two calves of gold, and said unto them, It is too much for you to go up to Jerusalem. Behold thy God, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And he sat one in Bethel, and the other in Dan. And this thing became a sin, for the people went to worship before the one even unto Dan. So what he did was he made the two calves, in one end to the other of the northern kingdom now, He puts a bull calf and a bull calf. And he says, don't go on down into Jerusalem. Because, he says, it's too much for you to travel away down there. And he starts a false form of worship. And that becomes their idolatrous practices. So, from then on, we have two, two kingdoms. Northern Kingdom is the House of Israel. Southern kingdom is the house of Judah. There's two capital cities. Jerusalem is in the south with the temple, and in the north is Samaria. So when you're reading, for the like of in some of the, the, the later prophecies, and you're reading, uh, speaking about Samaria, they're speaking about Samaria, the city, but it represents the whole of the northern kingdom. So the prophecy against Samaria is actually against the whole northern kingdom of Israel. That becomes our capital city that becomes a line of kings out of it. So you have kings come out of Jerusalem in the south and Samaria in the north. And Samaria in the north, every single king as top of my head as far as I remember was done evil in the sight of the Lord. And that's where you get Ahab and Jezebel the Zidonian uh, from uh, and many others. And in the south there were some in Jerusalem, There were that was the line of kings that Jesus would come from. But in that line at the south you did get some wicked ones but you also got some good ones, like Jehoshaphat was a good king. Hezekiah was the reformer king there. And all of these kings came out of the southern kingdom. So, what I want to look at is, Israel is marked by various or uh, certain emblems. For example, the, the vine is one of the symbols. The fig tree becomes a symbol. And the olive becomes a symbol. Now, I want to look uh, at the vine the vine and the the fig. Just for a few moments, just to give you a wee bit of a grip on this. It helps your prophecy. It helps who's speaking to who and what's happening. And if you can get the grips of this, you'll notice the northern kingdom's taken away years later. And they're taken away in the Assyrian captivity. And you'll read of Amos. The prophet Amos was in Judah in the southern kingdom and God sent him up north to the northern kingdom to prophesy against them. Um Hosea was in the northern kingdom and prophesied against the northern kingdom. So when you're reading that, you'll find you'll be able to follow that line of prophecy. For example, Isaiah prophesies mainly to Judah, the southern kingdom, but also to the northern kingdom. It just depends on the timeline of when these prophets appeared on the scene. Jeremiah prophets to the southern kingdom, prophesies to the southern kingdom before they go into Babylon captivity. And you'll find then there's prophets. Uh, Ezekiel is when they're in captivity. And then you'll find others like uh, the, the prophecies of Zechariah when they come out again. So God was continuing to speak. Is everybody with me? Yeah. So you have two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, the house, the ten tribes are taken away. And they never return as a nation again. Never return as a nation again. And their uh, dispersion or diaspora is, is almost all completely to the west. The southern kingdom of Judah, their dispersion is 120 years later. And they go to the east. And when they go into the east, Nebuchadnezzar takes them into Babylon. And again, that's when you'll read of uh, Ezekiel by the river Chebar, You'll read of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in the fiery furnace. Daniel in the lion's den. And that's all them who are Judah. Who become known as Jews are ram um, taken in. And when they come out, you'll read the book of e- Esther. In there. So they're all out. And Esther stays behind with Mordecai. You remember Haman? Haman builds the, the gallows and he ends up hanging on his own gallows. That's when that is written when they're in there. That's when the psalmist says, no, how can we, uh, by the rivers of Babylon we sat down, how, yeah, we wept when we remember Zion, we hang our harps on the willows and stuff like that. That's all happening with these, the Judah or the Jews in In Babylon, 42,000 of them come out after God makes a decree and Cyrus, the king, allows them to come out. And when they come out, that's when you read of the book of Ezra and the book of Nehemiah. So now you're back in the Holy Land again with the walls of Jerusalem being built in Nehemiah and the temple not being built in the book of Ezra. So you're with me then, okay? So this is what's happening in, in the timeline. And they become known as figs figs. And then it gets mixed. The Jewish the, the Jewish people, there's a lot of the Jewish people who aren't true Jews or Judahites. The, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the Jews who are off the synagogue of Satan. There's those who say are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. And they're, they're, they're actually a mixture of Edomite Jews and Kazarian Jews, and they're actually Edomites. The, the banking system that we have in the world's banking system today are Edomite Jews. And what they're doing is that you have the, the Rothschilds and the Bilderbergers and, and the Goldman Sachs and, and so on. And they're Edomite Jews usurping the power that God had given to the real Israel, whom we are descended from. The Jew in the... The Jew in the... uh In... Palestine, or the Holy Land, or Canaan Land, or Judea, whatever you want to call it, today, a lot of them aren't even of proper Israelite extraction. But there are true Jews there too. For example, there was, in the days between, when you go to the book of Malachi in the Old Testament, and then you have the book of you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that 400 years, there was a Jewish leader called uh, John Hyrcanus, and he was a priest, Jew priest, but he was a warrior. And he fought, and he actually got the Edomites. And he made them, forcefully made them convert to Judaism. That's how they got brought in. There's ones from Babylon came who had taken Babylonian Talmudism. And when Jesus is there, Jesus says, you have the tradition of men, you're off your father, the devil, you're a brood of vipers. Why would he say that to people who were originally as Israelite sheep? Because they were a mixture who were bringing in all these false gods. And they started, they had the show of it and the pump of it. They took over the temple worship. Now, they aren't all all off their father devil because there were Jewish men like uh, Nicodemus, who came to Jesus at night. There was um, Zacchaeus was another one. So, so we have some who are true, original, uh, bloodline Judahites. So the, they become known as figs. And here's the thing, they become known as good figs and bad figs. And the Israelite becomes known as the vine. So let's just look at it for a few moments. You're going to jump a few thousand years here in history, just in a moment. <laughs> it's like being in a tortoise here. Okay, go with me to Luke chapter 20. Luke chapter 20. In verse 9, Luke chapter 20 in verse 9. Then began he, the Lord Jesus that is, to speak to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard. Okay, the certain man is the father, God. Planted a vineyard. Israel. That's the vine, okay, the vineyard. Notice what he says, and he let it forth. The husbandman went into a far country for a long time, and at the season he sent a servant to the husbandman that they should give him the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandman beat him and sent him away empty. And again he sent another servant, and they beat him also and entreated him shamefully and sent him away empty. And again he sent a third, and they wounded him also and cast him out. Then said the Lord of the vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Now you see where we are? Here's the prophets all along. Now I'm going to send my son. I will send my, excuse me, I will send my beloved son. It may be they will reverence him when they see him. But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir, come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. What therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them? He shall come and destroy these husbandmen and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. Now, if you read on there, it tells you that they knew he was talking about them, the Jews that were sitting around him. You read on a couple of verses. I'm just trying to do it for time's sake. So Jesus says that he's going to give the vineyard to others. Now, in Matthew's account, Matthew tells us this, that Jesus says to the Jews, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. Yeah. The word nation is an ecclesia, because people say, well, that's a church. No, that's ecclesia, the called out ones. That's not the word it's used. It's the word ethnos, the same ethnic, the group of people who are uh, of the original Old Testament Israelites. Who's he speaking about? He's speaking about Israel that were cast away. He's speaking about the gentilized Israel, those who have lost their way and become lost to themselves. And so they are are the other sheep of this fold, he says, that I have. People call them Gentiles, but Gentiles is a a, a far-off word that could mean so much more. Gentile can mean nation, it can mean heathen. And the study of the word Gentile has to be done for you to fully understand what it means. So notice here what he says. Let's go to chapter, Luke chapter, while we're here, Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, yeah. And let your eye run down to verse 6. And he spake also this parable, a certain man had a fig tree. Notice why it was a vineyard, now it's a fig tree. Had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. See? It's the Jews now still in the vineyard. Okay and came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then he said unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit in this fig tree and find none. Cut it down, my comberth at the ground. And he answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit well, and if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. And he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So they knew who he was talking to, because he was in the synagogue. The fig tree was the Jews. So he knew exactly they knew exactly who he was speaking of. And what did he say? A man comes and he says, the Lord of the vineyard comes, or the, the fig tree comes and says, cut this down. He says, I've been at it for three years. Give it another year. What happened? Jesus was ministering to them for three years. And then halfway through the fourth year, in three and a half years, what happened? They cast him out of the, the vineyard, crucified him outside the city walls, as it were. And then, uh, uh, that's in the the parable in Luke chapter 20. And then in here in Luke chapter 13, what happens is, he says, leave it, and if it bears fruit, well. So does it bear fruit? And the answer was, very little. Very little, it doesn't. Go with me um, to Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21. Okay, and let us eye, see if I can find it now. Let us eye run down to verse 24. He says, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into all nations. This is the fig tree dying after the crucifixion of Christ. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So here is the Gentile nations that will be in Jerusalem. You had, you know, right through from the Romans, right the whole way down through to the Ottoman Empire until Allenby released it um, in 1917. Now, verse 29, And he spake unto them a parable, Behold the fig tree and all the trees. When they now shoot forth, you know that your own selves as summer is now at hand. So likewise ye, when you see these things come to pass, know ye that the kingdom of God is now at hand. Verdi, I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all be fulfilled. And we've seen the fig tree come back in the nationhood when? 1948. 1948, that's the fig tree. Problem is, the fig tree is still not bearing a lot of fruit. Flick over with me to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Let your eye run down. You're gonna to have to forgive me for this because I have no notes here and I'm just trying to find as I go along. That's Matthew eleven. Mark chapter eleven and let your eye run down to verse thirteen. Okay. Tell you, go to 12. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry, seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves. He came, if haply he might find anything thereon, and when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Notice that. Forever. And his disciples heard it. Why would he say forever? I'll tell you why. He says forever here. Because at this point, when he comes back in the next day, remember, it's weathered up and de- died. He said, this nation is going to be destroyed. On until the way down the line, which was 1948, these aren't going to be burned anything. They reject Christ and there's no fruit outside the rejection of Christ. Isn't that right? You cannot please God outside Christ. So the only way that nationally there's no fruit, individually, there's Messianic Jews, if you want to call them that, people getting saved because they're believing in Christ. But outside of Christ, you can't bear fruit. Jesus says, if you abide me, you'll bear fruit. So in Jeremiah chapter 24, please. Jeremiah 24. Verse 1. The Lord showed me, and behold, two baskets of figs were set before the temple of the Lord. After Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away captives Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and the princes of Judah with the carpenters and smiths from Jerusalem, and had brought them to Babylon. One basket had very good figs, even like the figs that are first ripe and the other basket very naughty figs, which could not be eaten, they were so bad. Then said the Lord unto me, What saith thou, Jeremiah? And I said, Figs, the good figs, very good, and evil, very evil, that cannot be eaten, they are so evil. Again the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, like these good figs, so will I acknowledge them, notice, that are carried away captive of Judah, whom I have sent out of this place into the land of the Chaldeans for their good. And I will set mine eyes upon them for good, and will bring them again to this land, and will build them, and not pull them down, and I will plant them, and not pluck them up. And I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, and they shall be my God, and I will be their, they shall be my people, and I will be their God, for they shall return unto me with their whole heart. As the, and as the evil figs which cannot be eaten, they are so evil, Thus saith the Lord, so will I give Zedekiah, the king of Judah, and the princes and the residue of Jerusalem that remain in this land and them that dwell in the land of Egypt. What God was saying was like of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, who all went in. God says, go in with them. And trust me, this is my promise to bring you back. Those who trusted God went in. They were the good folks. And the evil ones were going, we're going nowhere. We're not going to listen to God's word. And neither the naughty figs or the evil figs. So God even sees them as different. So we're going to back again to Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5. Verse 1. Now will I sing to my beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. So now we know what we're talking about, don't we? My well-beloved have a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it and gathered out stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine. Now, what does this mean? This is what this means. God brought Israel across the Jordan, out of Egypt, across the Jordan, in the Canaan land. It was their marital home of Jehovah. And here it was the land flowing with milk and honey as it were. And here the choicest vine is what, uh, he called Israel. He says, and I planted you there. And he cast stones out. You know, he, he pushed the heathen back for them. And built a tower. That is, the tower represents the house of David, the King, kingly line in Jerusalem. In the midst of it. And also a wine press therein. This is the the religious side of it now. This is the temple side. And he looked at it. That it should bring forth grapes. And it brought forth wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem. And men of Judah. Judge, I pray you. Betwixt me and my vineyard. What could I have done? What could have been done more to my vineyard? That I have not done in it. Wherefore? When I looked that it should bring forth grapes, it brought forth wild grapes. And go now. And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and and I will lay it waste, and it shall not be pruned nor digged. Remember, Jesus was talking about pruning and digging. To the fig tree. Here he's talking about the vine. What's happening? He's talking about what happened in the northern kingdom of the house of Israel. Or prune nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. What is briars and thorns? These were the enemies that come against them. If you do what's known as the law of the first mention in the Bible, thorns were the curse of the earth, but the thorns also relate to peoples. I will eat waste and shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no no, no rain upon it. Notice, for the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. That's the northern kingdom. Notice that. And the men of Judah, his pleasant plant, and he looked for judgment, but behold oppression, for righteousness, but behold a cry. So what do we find here? We we'll find here, because they have sin now, he takes away their hedge. I'm not going to protect you anymore. You're not under my protection. The Assyrians come in and take them away. The pleasant plant here's the southern kingdom, 120 years later, what happens to the pleasant plant? It becomes corrupt. And he takes it out of the road. But everybody thinks, well, you know, the devil's won. No, but God has a plan. He says, I'm bringing you back out. And while these others are scattered, and they're going over to the west. He says, I'm going to bring the Messiah out from the southern kingdom. So he brings the Messiah out from the southern kingdom. Jesus is born of the house of David, of the tribe of Judah, and he bears away our sin. And what happens then? The gospel goes west. Remember Paul goes to go east to preach the gospel and the Holy Ghost forbade him and tells him to go, go west. Paul wants to go to Spain because of Zaragoza. They want to go down to there was a Judaic Jew settlement down in the south of Spain, the Zaragoza. And so they go preaching the gospel and people start hearing the words of the saving faith, saving grace of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happens? That kingdom that was scattered becomes a nation and a company of nations as it's prophesied in the Bible. And that company of nations then sends forth the scriptures all around the world. Sends out the missionaries. God's plan was bigger when the devil thought he had won. Unbelievable. I mean, well, it's unbelievable. It's believable when we see it. But what I mean is, as a figure of speech, this is way beyond our past and our finding out. And he sends out from the book of Hosea, he sends out a timeline where the, even the Protestant Reformation is spoken of from the days of Hosea, the northern kingdom being taken away. And that Protestant Reformation goes west. Why did, why did Christianity not go to China first? Why did I go down into Africa first? Or over towards Australia first? Indonesia? Why did that go way over down into the, the Mayan people down in South America first? Why not? Because Israel went west. That's why. Jesus speaks of the sower who sowed the good seed of the word of God. But he also speaks in the parable of the sower who sowed the good seed of the children of the kingdom. And what happened? God sowed the good seed of the children of the kingdom. And they become known as the children scattered abroad. Gives the idea of a man with a handful of corner wheat. And he throws it into the air to scatter it. And the east wind, in fact, Paul is shipwrecked with a wind called euroclidon Remember? In the book of Acts. It comes from the east. It was a hot east wind we come across. And there was a strong wind blows from the east to the west. And that's the direction that the seed would be scattered, the children of the kingdom. That's the seed, the direction, the seed of the word of God went. And then whenever the nation of, of our nation, the company, of commonwealth of nations, United Kingdom, Great Britain, they raised up a great Christian empire and a great Christian nation, what for to deliver the word of God to everybody else? I think that's fantastic. God says, listen, see even you, use your all, see what God says, I am the Lord, I change not. You Note know the rest of the verses." Therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. Do you know why? He's saying, you've Jacob's own nature. We all, we're all those old twisty nature. You've Jacob's own nature. He says, but I remain the same. Yous were scattered, yous were ruined, yous were lost, you were, but I remain the same. My promises stayed, my covenants were kept. He says, and because of who you are, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who we are, it's who he is. And he sends forth Messiah this, and what for, for us to go, And we took it to Africa and to South America. We took it to China and the Far East. It's gone up into the far regions of Mongolia and Russia right over the whole way across the whole globe. God says, go and preach the gospel to every creature. So, to be honest, about half an hour before I came out tonight, I thought, I was getting all these calls and I thought, what if there's hardly a few people that they're not used to praying will be sitting there looking at each other half a night. So what I thought was, You know what? I'm just gonna bring a wee Bible story. And that's just, that's just what I...